can inherit property, so right? you can inherit uh, money, you can inherit whatever it is, but these things are actually going to deplete. The only thing that will remain uh, forever uh, are stories. You know, those are the things that can help you to preserve whatever thing you inherit all right and that's why you see that people are unable to hold sustainably whatever they have gotten because they lack the story that is behind it so stories are that powerful that they are immortal that they are you know are not going to die and they are they are, they are so preservative that um, whatever you want to live forever you must get the story behind it it is all that must free ourselves and that's what told me that it is all that must own this story. We must own our story. Nobody else is coming. I look from uh, from far and near, look from east to west. Nobody, nobody is coming. So with me now that it is us that must own our voice, own our story. Of course, lay the instrument to be able to tell this story. This is what this course also is about. That nobody is coming to rescue us. We are going to rescue ourselves. I believe that stories are life. It's a powerful tool to combat your inner voice and also to make the outer world know what you are, who you are, what you can do, and how you experience the world to connect meaningfully with persons and to explore their lives in meaningful ways as we enhance and build each other. So today we are talking about uh, owning your voice as an African diaspora. That should be really interesting for a lot of Africans that you should own your voice. Uh, nobody should, should not allow your story to be told by another person or through the lenses of other people. You should be the one telling your story. You should be the one owning your story. You should be the one uh, directing the narratives of who you are and what you represent. That is such a big privilege that you should never give to another person. So, sort of a kind of a preamble into what this course is about, in that it is fundamentally important that you are in charge of the message that represents you. That is absolutely important for you as an individual and for us as a people. Sometimes you see most of us, um, coming back to the question of names again, uh, you are called uh, Joseph, uh, you are called a name. Uh, you some of some of you are beginning to also have Chinese name now. You have English name, a lot of European name, but in you sometimes you don't have a name that really reflect you, reflect your culture, that tell who you are, because your name should mean something deeper than just the way it sounds. So that is your story. Actually, that is where it begins. Uh, so these things we should we should not take them lightly. Like just bury the name or um, query the mask of other people. I remember one time I was doing interview. That time I was working on a story relating uh, to the Boko Haram issue in Nigeria. Then I was doing a documentary that I called Mother in the Name of God, Kili in the Name of God. Why are we doing this to ourselves? That is actually the question I was asking myself then. Why should uh, two people in Nigeria decide to key in the name of Islam and Christianity. How do we do this to ourselves? 
So I was interviewing this Senegalese artist who told me something important that I have not forgotten. He's in Milan. So I went from Verona to Milan. His name is Abu Bakar Bar. So he was saying something to the effect that if you have a horse, you leave your horse, you climb onto another person's horse. You don't have the right to complain that your horse is left on the ground. Because you should have, have thought of that first. In that if you decide to saddle yourself with the responsibility of answering another person's name, don't complain that nobody is answering your name anymore. <laughs> you know, we often complain that uh, nobody is speaking our language anymore. But are we making an effort to make sure that is even done, that is even protected in the first place? So we should be the one singing our song. We should be the one answering our name. We should be the one, uh, you know, one time I was, I was saying, why, what should we do as African citizens to make sure that when our leaders are going to the United Nations, we tell them that, hey, if you go there and speak English or speak French, don't come back home. We wanted to speak Yoruba. We wanted to speak Hausa. Because I believe that if a Nigerian president go to the United Nations and speak Hausa, it's going to make more people proud in Africa. That when they go there to speak English, that some of them aren't even able to speak very well. They go there to mismatch some of the speech that are even written for them. Whether if they go there to speak in Igbo language or in Hausa language or Yoruba talking of Nigeria, for example, people are going, you know, what that is going to lead to are one, a lot of people in the West, in the in the United Nations, will not understand the meaning of Igbo, which is already a good thing. Because that will lead to unemployment. Somebody who understands Igbo, most probably in Nigeria, will be called upon to translate. Aha, uh -huh, that is a good thing now. That translation will then exist as a script that can then be used in other occasions. And because that is a translator, it means that two people, two people coming from Nigeria are now speaking at the United Nations instead of one. So that is giving ourselves also a job because now we have produced a translator that can translate Igbo language to the global audience. We don't need to take that lightly. Instead, we have these presidents now who are coming to say, ladies and gentlemen, hmm? We want this way we are speaking that other people in Nigeria should hear us because they are our people. They are the people in the story. It is their voice that we are talking about here that we need to own our voice. We should never allow another person to speak for us. You see, when I came to Italy, one of the things I actually discovered was that I see a lot of people, I don't understand anything in it. I don't even know one word in Italian. Then I'm here in Italy now, presenting my first book because I wrote my first book. I was in Nigeria. I was in, in um, I think, in junior secondary school when I started to write it, and I finished it when I was in senior secondary school. Then when I uh, presented the book to one of the people that I saw here, my people, then he looked at me and said, "Ah, you were able to write a book. Why did you come to Italy?" I, I said, "Well, I'm here because my brother is here." And then I told him boldly that I'm going to write a book in Italy too. And I'm even going to write a book in Italian. Mark you, at this time, I don't know a word, not even a single word in Italian language. He looked at me and he was laughing. He said, you are joking. But today, I've written several books and most of my books are in Italian. In fact, one of my books is even at the university where the state at where I am. It, I think in 2016-2017 edition, my book was one of the books to be read by the students at the university. I have never gone to any university. 
That is to say, if you own your voice, there is no limit to where you can go. Because you are telling your story. If another person were to pretend to tell yourself, they would be very careful because they know that you have a voice. We should never take that lightly at all. That is why we concentrated on this course, on your voice as an African diaspora. Hello, Grand Rising, everyone, or good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are around the world. Um, so great for you guys to be joining us. My name is Nakaja. I am an educator and an author of Play the Game Hyperclose Simulation, also some children's books, and I've also run um, a business, educational programs, and sustainable innovations um, in Ghana as well. And it's for me, storytelling is really important um, for everyone because everyone does have a story, everyone has a unique story. Um, in the African diaspora, but you just in general, you can learn um, from your story. You can learn by remembering your own story from when you were a child um, to now. And it has so much impact to listen to other stories. And you never know um, how your story may shape someone. So our whole lives, and we've, we've had this discussion before, our whole lives as you know, human beings are just entities of light. Um, so are surrounded by stories and listening to each other's stories and carrying on stories, right? So we have like religious stories, um, philosophical, philosophical stories, excuse me. Um, we have stories that are passed on from generation to generation, ancestral stories, so many different forms of stories that make us who are who we are and like build our culture. So stories are, are really important. It's important to document those stories so you can pass them down to your children or, you know, your neighbor, you know, anyone that you're meeting when you're traveling randomly. So storytelling is, is a beautiful um, thing and a beautiful gift to give to ourselves and give to the people that we love. Thank you so much for that. Uh, that is really very interesting. I love that. That is already telling me where we are going in this conversation. <laughs> because I repeat, we are intentionally here. That is important for us. All right, we give uh, Dr. Matsya a bit of time to settle down. Uh, so we move to Olatuji. Olatuji, what is, okay, tell the people who you are. That is very important. And what is your take on the conversation of the day? Own your voice as an African diaspora, and of course, as Africa, because you are not a diaspora, you are in Nigeria, but it's fundamentally important. Own your voice, your, your take, please go. All right, uh, that's very interesting. Thank you so much. You know, I, I just realized for the first time today that, you know, uh, amongst all of us, I'm the only one that is on, you know, the African soil, you know, <laughs> the rest of my brother and sisters are, you know, out there, and, and that's why it's really interesting. Okay, um, my name is Ola Chinji, and um, it's a pleasure to always be here. I help people and businesses to grow, and uh, that's that for me. It's a call, not just um, you know, uh, a career or what to do. Uh, it's it's beyond um, you know, the things that um, highs can meet, and I do that you know with a lot of passion. 
I do that with a lot of um, you know energy and um, uh, testimonies of lives. You know, um, businesses changing, uh, taking the upper uh, you know direction in growth and um, bottom line has been very inspiring for me. Uh, and um, when we talk about storytelling, I would say everything, everything great that has happened has happened through stories. All right, so we just have different tools to communicate them in sciences, in art, in commerce, whatever place you find yourself. You are just using, uh, you know, the tools that you have learned how to use to actually uh, tell a story. And that's very important. Uh, stories are so important, I mean, to every human being because you, you can inherit properties, all right? You can inherit uh, money, you can inherit whatever it is. But these things are actually going to deplete. The only thing that will remain uh, forever uh, are stories. You know, those are the things that can help you to preserve whatever thing you inherit, all right? And that's why you see that people are unable to hold sustainably whatever they have gotten because they lack the story that is behind it. So stories are that powerful that they are immortal, that they are, you know, uh, not going to die, and they are, they are, they are so preservative that um, whatever you want to live forever, you must get the story behind it. So the opportunity to be here to share with us all the time, how powerful stories are, you know, it's, it's you know, so heartwarming for me, and uh, that's very important uh, because a, a lot of greatness is happening here. A lot of great things, you know, that we're even here to, you know, phantom is happening here through this that we are doing. And uh, I really want to appreciate every one of us, you know, every time we come around to be part of this. So uh, feel free to enjoy yourself and feel free to allow yourself to think in unusual ways, right? Uh, as we're going to be sharing the stories, as we're going to be sharing ways, uh, you can also leverage uh, this opportunity of storytelling. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Masukasia, you're, wo <laughs> you're welcome. I, I was trying to call the two names together. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome for that. All right. Dr. Masukasia, yeah, it's your turn. You can laugh over that eh? because uh, yeah, it, it happens to all of us sometimes. Yeah, when we, when we eat our talk sometimes. <laughs> all right. So it's your turn. Please tell the people who you are and your first take on the conversation of the day. All right. Good morning, everyone. I am Dr. Marcia Thomas. I am an author. Recently put out a new book, A Leader Like You. I suggest that everybody get their copy. It is a powerful book. And then I am a story writer. I write stories for children in disadvantaged areas that I turn into comprehension and language arts textbooks. So they are being used in schools and children are able to immerse themselves in their own stories or experiences that are similar and use it to build their language experience, to learn and to grow and to expand and accept themselves. I am also a Christian leadership coach and life coach, very certified and working. I empower Christian high achievers or career professionals to remain relevant and exemplary and authentic while integrating their faith in their professional spaces. And that's the sum total of why I'm here. That is my story. I believe that stories are life. It's a powerful tool to combat your inner voice and also to make the outer world know 
what you are, who you are, what you can do, and how you experience the world to connect meaningfully with persons and to explore their lives in meaningful ways as we enhance and build each other and uplift each other and expand each other and help each other to grow by telling these stories in a very intentional and purposeful and focused way so that our uniqueness, especially in the African diaspora, can be maintained and can be harnessed as a superpower. Thank you, Obi. Thank you so much for that, uh, Dr. Matia. Uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate all of you uh, for being here and for sharing uh, this room with me. Uh, it is a privilege to have all of you around uh, because we do have, before I pass the mic to Kwasi, uh, because I know that you have something to say there, uh, I want to say that uh, we are not here uh, just because we don't have anything to do. As you can see, uh, most of us are working in different areas. We have our businesses, uh, but we are here to engage because we believe it is important. We believe that storytelling is fundamentally important for us and also for what is going to come after us. You see, I remember when I presented the a biography I did of my brother a uh, couple of months ago. Yeah, Dr. Marcia, you were there. I, I see respect uh, what you said during the presentation. So uh, I really said there in the book, and I really mean it, that when I was writing that book, I really didn't think I'm doing any favor to my brother, uh, who is the subject of the book. And I also didn't think I am doing any favor to myself. I believe that book is a testament of people who will be here many, many years after I am gone. That is the power of book. That is the power of story. You see, I would be very happy if I could have a story like that about my father, for example. Because I lost my father, I was still in primary school. I was actually in primary two. So you can imagine how old I was then. So that I never really have the chance to, to go to school and come back and meet my father and say to father, because a number of occasions in my school days, I took first position. I also took second position. I also took a fifth position. Uh, so that I would come home and say, hey, father, I got first position in the school. Then I will listen to his advice. I will hear what he has to say. I will go out with him. and I will play with him. I never have that chance. I never have that possibility. So I would be very happy if somebody have put a record together, maybe uh, a book or maybe a video, maybe an audio of my father just talking. And I'm not even interested whether what he said was it, it was it was uh, interesting, it was intelligent, or it was smart. I just want to hear him. I just want to hear his opinion, a record about him, a photograph that I could hold of him just living his life. That will mean a lot to me. And that will mean a lot also to my entire family. So I want us to be sure that we understand when I say that storytelling transcends whatever you believe it is. It's also spiritual. Now we have a project that we are going to execute in Nigeria. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know. I don't even have the resources right now. But this is what it is. It's at the centerpiece of what we are doing in our company, A-Classes Media. We want to build an ultra-modern infrastructure where we are going to do 
uh, a lot of research about storytelling. When we are going to revisit the idea of oral narration, when we are going to be able to project a future for ourselves, when we are going to engage university, institution, ordinary people. You see, it is often said that elders or people who die as old age, they are libraries. And those who are alive and they are old people, they are living library. This is often said among us as Africans. But this is the point. What do we intend to do with those libraries so that they don't become like the library of Alexandra? Those libraries that they burned down in Egypt. What are we going to do with our elders, with their living memories? So I believe that with a project like that, we could go and harvest those information and then conserve it for future generations. It is not because we want to make more money. It's not about the money. It's about our legacy. It's about who we are, what we represent, how we want the world to see us. If we succeed, because I believe we will, even though it's going to cost millions of dollars, we think it's going to be like around $150 million to create this project because it's going to have a center for conferencing, a kind of a research institution that is really able to measure up to any standard in the world, then we will leave that behind for those who will be here after us. All this around the subject of storytelling. What is our story? Because you might think that we are talking about cock and bull story, those stories that uh, you listen to in the evening when you are tired. That is not what we are talking about. Storytelling basically configured our heads. It tells us what is reality. It helps us to build enemy and it, the image of an enemy and it helps us to build also the image of a friend. It tells us what we are willing to die for and what we are willing to live for. That is why storytelling is found in anything that you can think of in human endeavor. Scientific, astronomy, physics, biology, politics, spirituality. You name me any institution or any endeavor that human beings do, uh, that, be do that do not have element of storytelling deeply enshrined in it then I will tell you that that, is, have, that have nothing to do with human being. Storytelling is responsible for the ultra-modern cities that we have built. It's the reason why we are able to leverage AI. It's the reason why we are able to build the pyramid in Egypt thousands of years ago. And it's the reason why we build our nation the way we build them. If we understand the potency of storytelling, then we should be doing it intensely in every day because it stands at the threshold between what we what we what is possible for us and what we are going to leave behind for others that will be here after us. Alright, now I want to give the mic to Kwasi. I really thank you for being here. I appreciate the fact that you took up the mic. You want to say something to us. We are willing to learn from you. Please go ahead and share with us. All right, thank you. Um, it's been an honor being here. I'm, I'm, I'm here to learn. So I think during your presentation, uh, you made mention of a lot of things. So I have a list of questions I want to be answered after the program. So I'm looking at who tells the African story. 
how should it be said? What should we put out there? You know, when you look at the African story, it's more of the bad and the ugly. Is it time to look at another narrative of bringing the good out? You know. So I'm saying that um, first of all, I'm I'm Chrisio from Ghana, uh, Latin I'm also in the African continent. I I'm a librarian, a branch head, and then I work with African Story Lab. What we do is that we go to villages and tell stories to kids. But on LinkedIn, I'm a digital marketer. But I was giving out um, things that I expect. So when I heard you speak, I wrote down some questions I believe I'll be able to learn uh, before the program. And, and then I, one of the main questions, who tells the African story? How should the African story sound like? All right. Thank you so much for that, Kwasi. Uh, it appears that the connection is not really doing justice to you. But anyway, we can understand. We, we see your energy. We can feel it here. So this is why we are here. Thank you so much for the question. I think I got two of them, but of course, we'll come back to them. You were talking about who tells the African story and how should that story sound? That is really challenging. Uh, uh, challenging in the sense that that is a really important question that we really must address. Uh, they are important for us. Um, uh, of course, who tell the African story? That should be self-explanatory. I wanted to spend some time talking about the cause that we have created for you. It is important and it's also centered to the question that Kwasi is asking. So I will again start with uh, uh, Nakasia. Nakasia, in this course, you talked about uh, African diaspora story or the important introduction to the African diaspora story. So I don't know if you want to maybe just give a kind of a hint into uh, why you think what you talked about in the course is important for the people because we wanted to understand if they should get this course or they shouldn't get it. So why should they even consider what you were discussing in the course? Uh, so yeah, share with me anything you like about that. Yeah, of course. So um, anyone who is, you know, feeling, I think, first of all, I would say that storytelling is just an important skill to have in life in general when you're talking to people sharing stories about what's happening in your day-to-day -day life pitching a business anything that you're going to do storytelling is really important but what this course does is, is introduce you to how to effectively storytell and in the context of um uh your life uh in general like any in, in your life i guess that's very broad but that can um, mean anything if you want to tell like your family history and and relate it to yeah. the world and lessons that you've learned from or you want to tell about um what you have seen or gone through or experienced and how that has helped build the person you are today and your success if you want to just discuss vaguely about your contribution contributions to the world in which you feel is great all the all of those things encompass um storytelling and, and we're introducing you in a step-by-step -step version as to how to start with it how to um become acquainted to writing and storytelling what that looks like there's different tools for it um so i, I feel like it's it's a really good introduction for people who are interested in um in doing that type of uh, storytelling and and in a very simplistic way. So um, I think it's good. And there's like some memoirs in there to help you and guide you through the process um, to get you thinking about where you would want to go. Um, but yeah, so it's a really great resource for people. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. And I remember also you were sharing some experiences, uh, your personal experiences relating to your family and how you went around, start documenting their experiences. I think that really is sort of touching to the people who are going to listen to this uh, lecture. 
in that it tells you that you can do the same. Now, in storytelling, we will talk about relatability, that when you test your relation, that it relates to the people or help the people to find something in themselves. Because your story that you tell to people should serve as a function of helping the people to discover who they are. So that you are helping the people to literally discover themselves. When Akatsia, of course, was talking about her experience, the experiences of her family, how she went around and started collecting those data. What that is supposed to do for me or to you, if you happen to uh, listen to this course, is to ask yourself, what can you do if you were Nakati? Okay, but you are not her. Do you also have a family? Do you have parents? Do you know where your genealogy is coming from? Can you do something about it? Where you are right now, with the resources that you have right now, you can do it. You don't need anything else. I mean, for example, you just take your smartphone, that your smartphone is too powerful to do the work. That is literally what you need. Like you just go there to meet your grandfather or your grandmother, sit down with him or her, record everything they say. That is an evidence that they have been here. If you don't do it, we don't have anything to show that they are be here. They are not politicians. They are not the first president of, of Ghana or Nigeria that everybody will know. Make sure you give your grandfather, your father, or your grandparent the privilege to be mentioned somewhere. Do you know that if this if something happened to this world now, say maybe for example, uh, there is an uh, uh, asteroid hit the earth again like he did uh, <laughs> millions of years ago. And for some reason, humanity is wiped out. Do you know that maybe like 100 years from now, 200 years from now, 1,000 years from now, if you come back to this earth, do you know what you will still find? Of course, all the Eiffel Tower in France would have disappeared long gone to the dust. The skyscraper you are seeing in New York, all of them would have disappeared. Do you know that the pyramid will still be standing? Those are really fortified evidence of who built it. Because it's really sturdy, heavy, and well-structured to resist a lot of temptation. Of course, I'm not saying you should go and build a pyramid. I'm just using that one as the largest example of what can be possible. We don't have any risk of asteroids striking the earth, no? But what about your parents? Who is going to remember them? You could write a small book about them, dedicate it to them as a as a um, as a, a thanksgiving for being because without them you cannot be here. If you do anything for them, it cannot be too much. Put down their record like Kwasi is doing. You know they are going to the village to tell story. This is the best thing that we can. This is the best thing that we can do. I want to. It's the best offer that we can give to our people to make sure that their story is here. We are talking about owning your voice. Good. I, I am very excited and I think uh, the first person who spoke, um, Nick, just remind me of her name, Nicosia. Am I, have I pronounced it correctly? I don't want to mispronounce names. Names have importance. Your name means something to me. Very important. Your name means something. So I, I am happy the way she introduced and the way she put it across because uh, based on what is question who tells the African story I say it's you you tell your own story it is always a dangerous thing to have someone else tell your story because your story is not represented from a meaningful place and a place of knowing 
unless you tell it yourself, because in your telling, you are giving your voice. And this second section of this course on how to craft compelling story is just saying to you, make peace with yourself by talking, telling your story, let it be your voice, make peace with your past and visualize what your future would be like, observe your thoughts and intentionally connect to your inner voice. And then have the courage and the confidence to emancipate yourself by breaking down the barriers. So you start with your gut feeling, we'll see, and I'm, and I'm answering your questions and sharing what how this part of the course will benefit you. It allows you to recall and start with what you know. So you first of all start with what you know, and that is what was being said by Nicosia. She was actually saying that whatever your story is, whatever form or shape you want it to take, whatever your gut feeling says to you, whatever you want to recall, whatever you are comfortable with, that is how you start your story and give your voice a chance to tell what you know. And to do that, you have to have certain elements embedded in your story so your story can be understood. It has a structure, it has a plot, and it has character development, sorry. And it analyzes the examples of the powerful points, themes, message, and symbols in your story, in your experience, in your space that you want to preserve, that you want to own, that you want to have as a legacy. And so your character development is very important. So you have to have a well-developed character, whether it is you or someone that you know. Your structure, your plot, and your thematic depth must be so real and so authentic that it compels persons to listen to what you have to say. The plot is also something that we develop in this section of the course. We look at a central conflict or challenge that must be at the heart of your story, how this conflict creates attention and how the audience are engaged to solve the problem. How does it follow? Because your story must have a meaningful beginning, a very engaging middle, and it must have a crescendo at the end. In that, it means that it must take you to pivotal moments and crisis points and overcoming because that is what frames your theme and your message and makes it compelling where you decide to tell your story from both from your homeland or your diaspora or where you are actually resting must also represent your story well and the objects and the practices that you want to put out the message that you want to send and if it is your voice, what do you want your voice to sound like, which is your tone? How do you want people to respond to your voice? What is the connection you want to make with your the world and its character? How are you going to be writing? And as you write, how will you distribute these things in a balanced and engaging way in your story? And when you do that, 
how will you now present your story to the world? So those are some of the elements that are covered in the second part of this course, in this section. It carries you on this journey, this exciting journey to dive deeper into yourself and pull from yourself your story in the most authentic and engaging and compelling way based on your gut feeling and what you know. I hope that helps. It helps. It helps a lot. Thank you so much for that. You know, as you were speaking, uh, something actually uh, resonated so big in me. Uh, I think you use the term uh, freeing ourselves. I just want to play uh, this music, just a little bit of it. I'm not going far, no. I just want to um, excite you a bit. Old pirates, yes, they rabbi. The redemption song. That is, of course, perfectly in line with what we are talking about here, which is that it is ourself, it is all that must free ourself. And that's also mean that it is all that must own this story. We must own our story. Nobody else is coming. I look from, uh, from far and near, look from east to west, nobody, nobody is coming. So with me now that it is us that must own our voice, own our story. Of course, learn the instrument to be able to tell this story. This is what this course also is about that nobody is coming to rescue us. We are going to rescue ourselves, And we are going to learn how to grow the wings to be able to do that. That is the only solution that we have. And of course, I'll move on to Olatuji because you treated the, the third uh, session in the class. We look at um, Amplify Your Diaspora Voice. I don't know if you want to say anything about that, what you think is a key message that people should take away from that section then of course we move into the uh, some of the things that we can respond to as the questions of the day please go ahead all right um very interesting uh, I, I like that you know we already had uh nicosia you know said something uh dr marcia said something it's progressive right uh i, I talked about um amplifying uh, your voice your your your, your diaspora voice uh, and that's very important and, you know, I, I like using words, right? Uh, look at what amplifying, all right? I, I see the word apply in the word amplifying and um, apply it if you must fly. Are you seeing the word fly also? So uh, to amplify a, a voice, it, it, it's a lot and it, it starts with the application of it. Um, the knowledge of it is not enough, all right? If we are going to make it to go around and really make the necessary impact, we must not be afraid to you know, apply it. Um, most of the time we have introduced ourselves uh, to the world not in our own words, not in our own voice. We, we just say what they want us to say, even though it's a picture and an image they are seeing. So to amplify our voice, it, it requires that we, you know, uh, apply our originality, all right, every time. Because when people uh, remember what is said, they want to know who said it. All right. And most of the time, who said it gives the actual meaning to what is said. Anybody can say anything. But when they remember who said it, all right, it gives it the, the meaning 
that can be timeless. All right. So and for for Africans, we need to really understand that it's not just sufficient that we know all of this that we are sharing, that it's also necessary that we apply all of this. All right. And, you know, application starts from discovering. You, you cannot apply what you have not discovered. And that's why we are here, you know, every time now and then to create you know, those knowledge that will, that will inspire discovery, that will make you to want to know more, that will make you to want to, you know, uh, check out what exactly can I do more? What do I know about myself? You know, putting the mirror before you to see yourself clearly and telling you that, come on, you are more than this. You are not what they say that you are. You are not who they say you are. You are, you are, you are, you are, you have got a stake you know, in all of this. And this is this is very important uh part of, of you know uh the, the session I took that's amplifying your your voice. And um, you know uh you, you can't do that without um uh building platform. You remember I said I saw two words in the word amplifying, I saw apply and I saw fly. All right. Uh usually you can't just uh fly a plane without um having the runways, all right. Uh, I don't want to talk about advanced, uh, you know, technology where we don't really need runways for vertical takeoff. But but when you look at it, you, you need a platform, all right. You need platforms. You you can't just afford to, and that's that's one of the things that we have not been very good at uh, as Africans, all right. We we live our lives by inspiration, and because of that, we have not been able to create a uh, you know environment for repeatability of uh you know uh impacts i would say all right so we just feel like doing it today and we do it today but you see uh we, we can't continue to feel like doing it today and just doing it because a time will come that you will not feel like doing it and it has to be done and if there are no you know uh documents all right uh if there are no ways or procedures that somebody who does not feel like you who is not inside of you to feel the way you are feeling can you know go by such feeling we die with you all right so and that's why we have something like what we are doing here having this platform we we, we all know all of these things in our different ways and at our different locations but we have decided to create the platform for convergence that oh come on i, I will be speaking from lagos nigeria today and so will be speaking from italy uh nikasha is speaking from the united states uh you know dr marcia is speaking from jamaica but we are here together now on a location right i don't know the name of the location but we are here together today all right. So it's very interesting to understand that when we are able to uh, create platforms, we, we, we are, you know, we are able to tap into this, you know, a modern age power called convergence. Because until the, the, the sun is brought under focus before it can do miracles. All right. You can know the story. You can have the story. You may be applying the story. But if you are doing it as a lone ranger, you know, uh, what what endangers the snake is because the snake goes alone. It's because the snake, you know, stroll on the street alone. You dare not, you know, withstand a, a, a group of snake. I don't know how powerful you are. You see 10 snakes coming at once. You have to run for your life. But when it's just one, you, you can be bold enough to say, when I kill this one, I'm done and I'm safe. So this building platforms, very important. And this very, very, very key part that you're going to be learning and understanding, uh, you know, through this course. You see, it's not just sufficient that you have a voice. You must know how to be able to leverage your voice, you know, uh, through platforms. 
uh, you must know how to be able to uh, use the, 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 the microphone and let your voice come out through. No matter how loud your voice is, it can never be louder than a speaker that enables your voice. So, and sometimes when you shout too much, you crack your voice. And when you crack your voice, you, you may have some you know, complications that will not allow you to be able to talk the next time. But with a microphone, you know what that means? A microphone is not like a platform. You just talk a little and everybody can hear you. And it means that you have preserved energy, no complication, and you can talk for even longer time and more people can hear you. And this is one of our undoings as Africans. You know, uh, uh, we, we don't want to do it together. All right. And that's why we have not got very good platforms. Look at what platforms. Hi, I don't want to go there, uh, but let me just quickly tell you what I'm seeing. I'm seeing platinum and I'm seeing foam. Do you know platinum is, you know, is bigger in what than gold? Gold has just been, you know, favored to have a lot of uh, benefits when we begin to talk about um, our value and what. But platinum is quite, you know, more interesting when we're talking about value than gold so uh, a platform is like a platinum form you know it's like an unbeaten form that you enter into it's an unbeaten form that you have to be able to do a lot of things you know it gives you the energy of so many people even as a person you know to be able to go for it so that's very important and um uh let let us have this end in mind and the end that we should have in mind is you know we are not doing it because we feel like doing it. We are doing it for a cause, and that cause is to, you know, create social change, all right? Storytelling is not because you you want us to know that you have got uh, a very good English-speaking skill, or you have, good, you have got a good command of, of English language, you know, you have got, you know, whatever it is that, that makes you feel very good about it, no. Uh, we are not coming here to make you feel like, hey, come on, we, we are intelligent or whatever it is. We are here to be able to cause a change. We are here to, to make, you know, the ignorance that has kept you for how long it has to be disgraced and give you the empowerment to say, come on, I think I can do it. Because we are always held back to the level of, you know, uh, intelligence that we have got about a, a subject matter. Our ignorance is always most of the time responsible for the roadblocks. If you know that the only option, uh, if you think that the only option you have to a wall is to turn back, you will turn back or you stay there. But if you also understand that the world can be brought down, nobody will tell you that, hey, come on, bring this world down. So most of the time when we refuse to go forward, it's because we don't know more than, you know, what we already know. So uh, it's, it's going to be very interesting for you to just, you know, have a full dose of risk, understanding that um, you, there must be a, a cause driving you, you know, and that cause must be for social change. Because if you don't do that, there is all tendency that you are going to be selfish. There's all tendency that you are going to lose focus and you are not able to, and remember, I came from a place that we have always had this weakness of building platform. Now, people usually most of the time start as if they are building platform, but because there is no social cause that is driving this engine, they, they eventually turn out to become, you know, uh, a mighty man, all right? Not a mighty people. So they, they, they lose focus of the things that should be the end, end, end goal 
of you know storytelling or whatever project it is that they are going by through storytelling and they start looking for accolades for themselves i did this i did that i did this i did that and won't you give me standing ovation we, you know and they are forgetting how they are they liberated that guy who needs to go you know miles every morning you know uh, to the river to get water before he can go to to school. You know they are forgotten how they have been able to make the guy feel like, hey, even though I am here, I I I I don't have the best of education, I can do it. You know I can still you know get to the top. You know forgetting all of those things, they focus on themselves. All right, so it's very important that we are able to keep our eyes on the goal, having the end in view that there is a change that we want to achieve. And that change is more than us. That change is not us. That change is not about who we are, but it's about the people who we tell the story to, who we tell the story about. And of course, no platform is built without collaboration. All right. Uh, if you want to you know, engage in competition, you're not going to do well. All right. If you don't know how to collaborate in this new age, you will not run you know, uh, well, all right? You can run very fast, but to be like a mentor, a falling star, the, the, the best we are going to see of you is the best that you have at the beginning because it's going to be deterioration. So uh, uh, it, it's going to be very interesting that we, we see that through the, this, the power of storytelling, we begin to find line of best fit, you know, collaborating and building networks, all right? Networks are the net that works, all right? You need to find that very, very fine line of the net that works. And it's, it's very great. I mean, absolutely great. These are the things that you need to do for you to be able to amplify. Remember, I told you there are two words in amplify, apply, then fly. You cannot fly if you have not applied it. So apply it if you must fly. And that's very important. So if you get this, come on, you are flying already. Uh, permit me to eat my mic. Thank you. Thank you so much, Olatoji. You are, you are really powerful. I, I like the way you play with words. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is really powerful, though. This is a, this is a great skill that you have. Uh, and that is really very interesting. I, I love it. I really love it. And of course, I love also the value that you shared uh, during the course. Um, it was it was quite long. That was because you wanted to add deep understanding to the people uh, instead of a shorter one. Uh, so I really appreciate uh, the, the value that you added in the course. So any person in the audience who is listening to us who want to understand what these three individuals have put together as a course for you, please do let us know. Uh, or you can go to our website aclasses.org just type uh, how to owe your voice as an african diaspora of course you can send a message to any of them uh, they will tell you how to get uh, the, the course all right now uh, i want to come back to the question that uh, Kwasi asked before i think those questions are really uh, important and the question is who tells the african story and how should that story sound Although I know that there was some that there was some complication in the, in the in the connection, I believe those were the primary two questions. And I believe there were other. If there were other, of course, he will let us know because I think now he's better connected. Hmm, those are good questions. Who tells the African story, and how should that story sound? Now I will, of course, pass the mic to uh, Edna Nakasha and Olatuji to respond to the question. But before that, I want to say something that I think might be important here. Um. You see, many of you are aware 
um, that in Africa and among Africans, our sense of reality are not us. By that I mean, we essentially, for the majority, no, not everybody, but for the majority of us as Africans, we look, we look at the reality from the lenses of other people. And then we ask, but how come they didn't represent us? <laughs> well, only children say that. But of course, in Africa, we have been educated to become children. And if you understand what is the, um, how do I say, what is the effect of education now, then you shouldn't you should be surprised of the kind of policies that we make, the kind of orientation that we have, and the kind of understanding that we have of life and of reality. Because we essentially respond to the basic, to the kind of education that we are given. But of course, it, it, it doesn't mean that the situation is hopeless. We can change, we can change that and reverse the situation. That is what makes us human beings. Because as a child, you give your education to a child. I have a child of six years old. I try to tell my child what I know, what I believe is going to be better for him. But when my child grows to be a man, he has the choice to either follow what I'm telling him or pick another road. But of course, he has the understanding that I've given him. That is to say that we in Africa have still been operated by the tenets that have been given to us. We have not yet grown up. Sorry to say it like that. Because when we grow up and we will be, we will stand on our border and decide what comes in. Now, look at Africa like a brain, the human brain. When you are young, you get all sort of information into your brain. Then suddenly you react or you do according to the information that you have in your brain. You see, your brains have windows, doors for information to go in. One of them is your ear. You know, information pass through your ear to get it to your brain and then they keep conditioning you. Another way is your eyes. You know, you can read, you can look, you can open your eyes. Whatever you see is documented inside of you and that ends up conditioning you. Your nose and many other ways that information gets to you. But if you are mature now, you choose what kind of information should get to you. As a child, you couldn't do this. But as a matured person, you can choose what kind of information gets to you. Why? Because you know the consequences of the information that you are getting. Who tells the African story? If we are mature enough, we will tell the African story because we are Africans. If we are not mature any time, Anytime you see Africans that are not telling their story, that is a testament of their immaturity. Because when you are not mature enough, you don't yet understand that you are supposed to do that work. You believe that they will represent you in this story, in the so-called universal story. But such a thing doesn't exist. Stories are a record of experience of a people. In this sense, if you say African story, it should be about African people, about story of peace, stories of war. If we take the story of war, who did we fight with? 
Ah, okay. If we are expecting our competitors, I don't want to say enemy, so that I don't want to offend people. Let's say competitors, the European who are the competitors of Africa to write African story, then you should remember that according to African saying, that we are allowing the lion to tell the story, sorry, the hunter to tell the story of the hunt, therefore, the lion. <laughs> so you think you are going to be representing that story, right? So you go to CNN and say, they didn't tell your story. Who said they are going to tell your story? Who said it? Who said they are going to tell your story when they are doing a research in, in, uh, in Egypt? The other day I was interviewing an Egyptologist. Then I'm asking her, her name is Vanessa. Then I'm asking her, you tell me, the United States phoned you to go to Egypt and do an excavation. Are you going to do the story according to the African people or according to those who are footing the bee? I am not ignorant. I should understand the answer to the question. Of course, she was sincere with me. What I'm saying again is that any time somebody is telling our story, is because we are not mature enough to understand that that is our story. Because if we do, we should be able to contest that. And of course, tell our story. Tell our story, meaning that we should be the one that is digging up the resources. That is very hard. I want to repeat that again. It is not easy. You see, the easy thing that we do, most of our African academia do this, a lot of them. They will go and copy what the European scholars have written. Then they will add a little bit of their own. They will call it their books or their writing. But I say, that is wrong. You are in Africa. What is stopping you from going to Egypt, to going to Sudan, going to Zimbabwe, going to Asian city of Benin? Write it according to you. But there is a consequence to that, and I and I'm aware of that. They are not going to ap approve you. They are going to ridicule you. But remember that there are people like Chekata Diop. Chekata Diop didn't want approval. He just stood for what he believed is right. In the beginning, many European scholars thought this guy was crazy. How can you be talking of that the civil, the Egyptian civilization is an African civilization when in their consciousness, Africans referred to some uh, fetish and uh, people that were unable to involve. That is one thing I wanted to say. I don't want to uh, prolong that. But I want to add another thing again. Yeah, uh, it's like you wanted to say something, Akasha. Please go ahead and respond. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, like, I <clears throat> am in grad school and I study anthropology and archaeology at a PWI in the United States. And so um, just to go on to that, that, that's a really big deal. Like, I'll try to share a quick story. Um, I have a Nigerian professor right now <clears throat> at my university and I'm in I'm one of the only Africans aside from the professor who is studying about the Black Atlantic which the Black Atlantic is essentially like the transatlantic slave trade and um, the dispersal of um, African people because of that horrific and that human atrocity that had taken place and everyone else is white or, you know, there's one Indian, one mixed North African with, but she's German from Germany was socialized in Germany. And it's really interesting because this Nigerian professor is getting paid by this white institution. And so his job, in the course room is to make everyone feel uncomfortable uh, uh, comfortable 
Um, except for me, I, I feel like because um, his approach to it is to make white people feel welcomed on in, in gathering our stories and digging up our history and then telling them in an academic and research setting. And the problem that I have with it is when we're reading these research papers on something that's so horrific and something that's so um, close to the African people, um, but it's being told from the perspective of a white person, um, it, it's just fascinating because it's, it's, it's despicable. Like no one is going to be able to tell the story of an African person better than um, an African. No one's going to be able to understand the pain. No one's going to be able to understand and contextualize the history. No one, right? But this Nigerian professor is making it, making a space uh, of comfortability for white people to make it seem like it is okay for them to dig up African graves and to write papers on it, or it's normal, or everyone should have access to, you know, this type of information. It's like, yeah, sure, read about it. But why do you have to be and continue this, um, this historical racist practice of digging up our history, digging up our graves, holding our, our remains, and then creating a story on it that's not even true. And the issue with America that permeates across global society is that they are reconstructing the African identity and African culture. And a lot of times we are allowing them to because we don't have enough of our own African institutions. Even a lot of um, African universities are just uh, emulating white universities um, and what they've seen and, and like what they learned. So it's very rare. We like I've had to bring up um, Chenka Anta Diop to the, the Nigerian professor. He knows about him, but he didn't have him in our archaeology, Black Atlantic reading. He didn't talk about um, or even know about archaeological evidence of um, African dynasties and kingdoms, which is really important to contextualize. He was more so focused on this negative imagery of the Black Atlantic, but also from a very Western standpoint, which I had a lot of friction with because I'm the only other African student um, in the class. And I felt like he was like appeasing to white people. So I, I just wanted to tell that story to people because it's, it's a huge issue. It's a huge problem. And it's something that we have to fight against. And, and that's why storytelling is so important for me personally, because I see what's going on and what's happening with our children and how the education systems are being structured. We have to build new educational systems. We have to create our own storybooks for children. We have to create our own textbooks um, now because of what the agenda has been and always has been, right? Just because we've integrated doesn't mean that things are equitable or fair, that, you know, we're very welcome. So it's important for us to build our institutions and our communities around each other. But to answer the question on uh, Kwasi, uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, Africa and Africans are very 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 diverse, and it's like it's so we're so complex, and and people have all their different opinions. So I don't think that there's one approach to storytelling because you will meet. Um, so many different people around the around the world, but also so many different intricacies and diversities within the continent itself that there's no one way approach just like there's no one language that's spoken and that's the beautiful thing about it there's so many different approaches for even people to speak so imagine all the different approaches to people telling stories and and everything that that carries and i think the biggest thing we can do with that is embrace it um I, 
like in Ghana, they have this Adinkra symbol, which is like two uh, crocodiles crossing over, sharing the same belly. And the whole concept of it is there's unity and diversity. And I I see that when it comes to storytelling and just our, our cultural in general, we have so many different ways of um, sharing stories and learning from each other and hearing them and, and they can all move us in different capacities and move our senses in different ways and spiritual ways and emotional ways. So that's the beautiful thing about um, Africa. There's no one way to be African because we are, we are everything. We encompass, encompass everything, right? Which is the most beautiful thing. And we're able to adapt anything and survive. So yeah, that that's, that's a little tidbit, but yeah, Thank thanks you. for listening, guys. Thanks for Thank you so it's much. very valid. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, please go on, Dr. Mansi. It's like you wanted to say something. Yes, it's today. very valid. And I I I want to speak from a place of being outside and yet inside. And so I want us to to to, to look at all those potent and very, very practical and relevant points that you have made. And 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 I and I want to reiterate some of your points from a from an outside looking in. I have noticed, and as I looked across the framework of of the landscape of especially education, I find that anywhere in the world you go and you have studied at a reputable university from the UK, your credentials are not questioned. And I know that because my daughter recently got married at 24 and migrated to the United States. And when she was doing her master's, I insisted that I would have to find somewhere in UK because I did my research. You have to be prudent as you move along in this world. And she is in her job and she, her degree and her transcript did not need to be validated because it was already done and validated because of the university that she studied in, in the UK. What is the point I'm making? We have our stories being told in the wrong way because we do not know our stories. And we have this thing where we seem to have been programmed. Every generation that comes behind us do not find us faithful because we ascribe to make our stories invalid. It is as if we have an un conscious pact with the universe and those who want to reframe our stories to suit their consciences and themselves. And so we have to make our stories valid. We have to believe in ourselves before people can believe in us. We have to frame our universities that we take our rightful place in this world and we produce persons who are masters of their own destiny, who are very credible relevant and exemplary wherever they go. And so the first thing we have to do is to culture nurture our own universities by supporting our universities and by attracting the best from our society that have equipped themselves with the expertise, knowledge and wisdom and qualifications to make our systems of education and our paths to learn pathways of learning lifelong and otherwise, very credible and very desirable. And so I find that many of us, we 
in the black communities do not appreciate how valid and exemplary and unique we are. And I'm happy you made that point. The next thing that we want to do is that we must tell our story consistently because we must tell the truth. And, and you asked the question, was it good and bad makes up life? When we mute our experiences, we invalidate them and we make them unacceptable first to ourselves and next to those who should appreciate where we are coming from, what we have overcome, and what we are now bringing to the table as an amplified, stronger voice. Because that voice comes with it, a certain takes with it a certain understanding that is very personal and yet very public. And so we must accept, know, and believe our stories. And we must validate them by repeating them so that they take the prominence that they must take in our lives and in the lives of others and create the meaningful connection and overcoming that telling the story promotes and enhances and the impact that will make persons stop and listen and look and learn. That's the reality. And so the first thing we have to do is emancipate ourselves so that we begin to believe in our stories and tell them with conviction, unapologetically, and make the changes to ignite the changes that we want to see. We must promote our books. We must prepare them in such a way that they become standouts and not fittings. Because when you put your book in a bookstore, for it to become a bestseller, it must stand out. It must meet needs. It must address universal issues that persons can resonate with. And so when we produce our stories in textbooks, in audiobooks, in theaters, in, 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 in reels, on YouTube, on TikTok, and so on, it must send a message. It must have a purpose. It must be focused. It must be intentional. It must not be a fitting model where we adjust to get money, to get ratings, to get followers, and so on because the right persons will resonate with your message if you are intentional and the right results will come from that intention. I'm very passionate about it because I feel we are giving up our birthright many times because of this lack of acceptance and this invalid mindset that we have that our stories are things we must be ashamed of and they are not good enough. Life is made up of obstacles and challenges and overcoming and conquering. It is those who live to tell the story that are the real heroes. It is not those who are telling our stories. Thank you so much for that. I, I, you see, I, I understood from the beginning that this was going to be a very interesting uh, session today because we really started uh, on a good footing. Uh, of course, it's not because I'm counting how many like do we have. It's not that is called uh, vanity metrics. It's not. It's not the basis 
upon what we are doing. Now, I want to repeat something there. That when you want to come up in the space that we have today, the internet of the world, we need to understand that uh, if the message that you are preaching is not in the interest of the metropole, I'm not saying that is the situation here, but if, if, that, if it is not in the interest of the metropole, have it at the back of your mind that you might deliberately be silenced. Now, what, does that, what do I mean by that? Like Dr. Mansiad is saying, don't let that discourage you. You are going to stand for something. Remember that you need to stand to be counted. By that, it means standing alone sometime. You are not just going to be in the crowd. If you are just in the crowd, you know what you are? A number. If that is all you are, just in the crowd. That is not what we stand for. We stand for nothing. We stand for something, even though it might not be the most popular. But pay attention to what Dr. Martial is saying. Somebody somewhere is going to understand the importance of what you are talking about. And it's going to resonate with that person. It is not just for popularity. We understand the importance of what we are doing. We understand why we are here. It is not just because of the number of likes. It's not just because we want to appeal to somebody who doesn't like us. We are not like those who say, oh, I'm going to borrow money to buy clothes to uh, uh, pretend or maybe to make people who don't like me see that I have clothes. But what are you doing that for? You don't need it. Stand for something. Raise your head. Now, the question. Who tells the African story? How should that story sound? I think Olatuji has something to say about that. Olatuji, what do you have to say about that? The question is, is who tells the African story? Please go. Yeah, um, very interesting uh, session we're having today. Uh, you know, it, it's funny that um, the person who was not uh, in labor, is the one describing how the childbearing happened. That's funny, you know, and that's our reality today. The 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 woman was not in the theater room uh, when the mother was laboring and traveling to give birth to the baby. Is the one describing the pain of the of the mother? Is that not funny? But that's 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 our reality today, uh, and um, you know. Uh, she's not dumb, she's not deaf. She has got mouth, she can talk. But somebody say, hey, don't talk about how you gave birth. I should do that, all right? Uh, it, 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 uh, it, it's a great disservice to humanity if we continue to allow that to happen. You see, the only one person that should tell our story is us and then we need to start telling our stories as the owner of the story. All right. Now that's that's very emphatic. As the owner of the story, you know, don't hide to eat your own food. You get it. You 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 made the food and now you are hiding under the table to eat it. For who? From who? For what? So most of the time we second guess ourselves when we are telling our story. We want somebody to validate it. We want somebody to give attestation that, did I say the right thing? You know, you, you just told us about how you delivered your baby and you're coming to ask somebody that, did I, was it right to say that I cried? 
why that was happening? Was it proper to say that it was painful? Was there any, you know, wrong thing? What, how do you feel about it? You know, what should I have said? You know, it, it, it's so painful. And do you know where that is coming from? We have been made not to believe in ourselves. So it's not a question to ask who should tell the story of somebody when this person is there. Why that question came in the first place is because of lack of self-esteem. And that's the root cause of why we're having this discussion. Because when a man is a man, he does not ask questions about, do you think I'm a man? Do you know who I am? Uh, do, do, do you think, you know, you, you, you find those kind of questions very common among people. You say, do you know who I am? Yeah, that's, that's stupid. If you have forgotten who you are, please go, go ask somebody. All right. So it, it's very important that we must go to the root cause of it. We have been made to feel that we are not good enough. And if that continues to be the case, if we cannot be able to stand on our authenticity, you know, the other day I saw a guy who, who, who came up with, you know, uh, uh, a, a programming language, all right, in Hausa language. And I was, uh, you know, the, the depth of, of what he has done transcended many generations for me. And I began to see how, you know, uh, uh, an old woman, will become a solution provider because she, she can understand the native language in which the programming language is written in. She'll be able to bring out that concept that she learned from her great-grandmother. You know, she does not know how to communicate it, but she has always known that this thing worked in those days, it's going to work now, and now she has the opportunity to be able to bring this out. Do you know what that means? You will not be able to do that if you do not have your self-esteem in the proper state. So whatever has been done to make us to even ask this kind of question in the first place, we need to undo it. It's, it's not a proper question to ask that we should tell the story of Africans. It's, it's unnecessary to ask that we should you know, uh, mention my name when I'm in a gathering. There's nobody else that should do it for me. Who should eat the food that would get me satisfied? Whose mouth should it go through? It, that, that's not a question to ask. But if such questions come up and they keep coming up, it means that we have a fundamental thing to deal with, and that's our self-esteem. They have punctured our balloon of self-esteem. We have felt so flat for years and for many, many generations to feel that when we write it here, we need to take it there and say, hey, guys, is it all right? Okay, can I deliver it now? And do you know why? One of the very thing, one of the very thing you want to do to get any person is to give them the language they have to speak. From the place where we began to feel that our own language, you know, I'm talking to you now in English language. And do you know why? Because if, if I decide to speak in my own language, I feel that you are not going to understand when I start to speak in Yoruba language. And when am I going to make you, when am I going to feel comfortable enough to speak in my language if I don't start it eventually one day? Do you know how long we have been speaking English? That's why it has become this powerful. Do you know how long we have stopped speaking our own language? That's why it has become that not powerful. Now, when you're able to give people a language to speak, you have got a lot of control over what they think. And when you look at the English dictionary, it's very hard for you to find anything that is good associated with black. We are not blacks, but it's an intentional thing to call us black. 
Why? So that we can always think about the things that they have got in the dictionary for us that are attached to our name enough to pull us down and degrade us in our thinking. So when a, a man is unable to think properly about himself, he's unable to, you know, uh, properly tell his own story. And anytime he tells his own story, he tells the story as if he has stolen his own story. That's unfair. It's not because he lacks the use of words or he does not know how to, but because his mind. You know, uh, the other time the cashier was talking about how you, you a, 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 a professor, you know, was handling the so-called thing that should be our own heritage as if he's appeasing the gods of, of the white man, making them to feel like, oh, you know, you can do it. Making them to feel like they are the one that should come and do the story and we should just be there. Now, why? Why is that happening? Self-esteem. Self-esteem. They are too afraid of us to be in our right self-esteem. And when I talk about they, I'm not just talking about the color of the skin. All right. And sometimes these things are not the things that they have done to us. You know, uh, there's an adage in, in, in my language that if the death from the house does not kill a man, the death from outside can do him nothing. If we have not killed our side, ourselves, if we have not killed each other from inside, you know, the, 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 the worm that, the, that eats the vegetable is not far from the vegetable. If we have not done that ourselves, look at the story. Somebody who should stand and say, hey, come on, this is how it should be, is taking side again, all right? Saying, guy, although, you know, but look at it. What, what's, what's, the, what's the issue with our stories? Everybody is interested in our story. Everybody wants to tell our story. Why is it that it's our story everybody wants to tell? Why? There is value in it. But they want to tell it, of course, uh, you know, when we talk about the hunter and the, and, the, and, the, and the tiger, who said, who determined who is the hunter? Who said we are the tiger? Who said we are the lion? Why are we not the hunter? Are you seeing where it's coming from? Why did we decide to choose the place of saying, okay, we are in the, in the league of the animals, no matter how powerful the animal is, it's still an animal. Why did we choose that? When you ask an average person to represent the picture of the devil, it will give you a black man as, as, as a good presentation. Who told you that? So it's not a function of, okay, oh, this, these people uh, uh, should tell their story. If we refuse to deal with these rules of self-esteem, no matter how educated we eventually become, we will still second-guess our own self in telling our own story. So we need to continually inspire confidence. We need to continually inspire strength in our people that there is no time a copy, no matter how in, you know, interesting the, the original of that copy is, a copy is never going to be better than the original that does not look good to you to start with. So the original of anything is better than the copy of any other thing. Because with the original, the original is like the seed of a tree. 
Because it has not been planted yet does not diminish it in any form. No matter how small it is, even as small as the mustard seed, it can become a big tree. So we should not be carried away with the chocolate that they give us. All right. And now say, hey, I won't plant cocoa again. No. We should hold on to our originality. And I say that we should stop having the, the urge to ask questions like who should tell the African story because it is totally wrong to ask such questions if the right self-esteem is in place. Do you hear questions like who should tell the American story? Do you hear questions like who should tell the Englishman's story? You won't hear questions like that. But we keep hearing we should tell the, the African story because of self-esteem issues. So we need to, you know, intentionally inspire confidence in ourselves and in our people. And where does this come from? It comes from our authenticity. Don't hide to eat your own food. Whether it is delicious or not, it's your food. Eat it and feel good about it. Drink water on it. You have not stolen it. The man who has eaten his own food is better than the one who has gone to steal the best kind of delicacy. Because when he's caught, he's treated as a thief. And if you have honorably eaten your own food, no matter how, you know, not delicious it is, you are the owner of it. So this is very important. And I like us to go in this direction and begin because it's very important that we treat this from the root cause and not begin to you know, bother ourselves about what is happening on the tree or, or to the leaves. Why we have this happening over and over is because of the low self-esteem. And where did it come from? The, 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 the memo they gave us. The dictionary they gave us to look up the, the meaning of our name from is not empowering us. So it means that we should get something that would empower us. We should get something that will give us back our prestige. And where is that thing from? It's from us. It's from us. Our language empowers us. All right? Our, our, our culture empowers us. So we should believe in these things. Which, you know, I, I talked about a, a programming language written in, 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 in Hausa language. I'm looking forward to greatness that will come out of that. And I'm doing everything I, I can now to inspire as much as possible that kind of feat happening in as many as possible African languages. You know, it, it's very important that we are able to see by ourselves with our own eyes, who we are, and not from the lenses of another person, because we can never be best represented from another person's point of view. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Olatiji. You are, you are super. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, brother. And I appreciate all of you for, for, the, for the value that you are adding here. This is fundamentally important. This is a core. So yesterday, I was talking um, with a friend uh, in the UK. Then I was telling her that, listen, the job that you are doing is not just a job. Your business is more than just a business because she's doing something fundamentally important in terms of our culture and our identity. You know, we need to understand that this is a call that we must respond to. We must, we must answer. One person I interviewed, um, yeah, I've interviewed several hundreds of people. Uh, told me something important. He said, when the gods send a blind man to a battle, the blind man is expected to win 
as a blind man do. That is an African adage. I want us to understand the intricacies of that. By that I mean, those of us who always complain, oh, I don't have the university education. Oh, I don't have this, this, uh, this money. Oh, I don't have this fancy. Oh, I don't have this voice. I don't have this look. I don't have this. I am too tall. I am too short. I am too beautiful. I am too ugly. Listen, those are irrelevant. Absolutely irrelevant. If you have only one eyes, look at it that this is what you are supposed to do. Go out and fight. Martin Luther King said, you can fight in the mountain. That is where you are. But if you can walk, walk. Don't look at yourself as a man who can only walk. Then begin to compare to your, compare yourself to those who can run and say, I would I be able to join the fight if only I can run. No. You are deceiving yourself. If everybody is running, who is going to be standing? There are some that we need to only walk. So walk. This journey is, is long. The battle is fierce. There are those we need to only sing. If that is all you can do, don't say I have not written a book, therefore I am not valid. No, don't do that. Do it with your music. There are those who uh, are able to speak. They go to conferences and talk. And they might say, oh, well, I don't do music. If I could do music, I would have been able to do a better rap. Oh, forget it. On the stage, do it there. Each of us is called upon to respond in our own names. What is your name? If that is the topic of another of the next conversation, the role of names in African identity is a fundamental question for us. Because it's talking about our who are you? You see, people usually start with my name is. You don't start with I am a daughter. Who are you? Why did they give you this name? What, do, what does this signify? I have four names. I will explain it that on, on the, in the next session, 14 days from now. So we need to answer this call. It is on us. Nobody else is coming. Nobody else is coming to do this for us. So you better ask yourself, what can you do where you are right now? You don't need any other thing. Just you right now. Because there is no guarantee that you will be here tomorrow. If you die tomorrow, you need to be able to say that I have done it when I had the chance. Don't prospect it. Prospect as for weak and irresolute people. You are a strong and resolute person. Do it now. Now, now, now. You are still here because you are able to do it. Answer the call. Yes, go on, uh, Jacob. Okay, good afternoon. Okay, okay, okay. My name is Ability Jacob, and I, I'm I'm from Nigeria. I'm I'm talking to you from Lagos, Nigeria. Okay, I'm a medical sales executive, and I'm an advocate of the African voice. Okay, I'm from Ibom State, and I just I noticed something, something very, very awful, something very disgusting. Sorry to sorry for the choice of word about my people. Okay, getting to Lagos, where I, I live, I got, to, I got to realize that anybody from the parts of the world where I come from, anybody from Akwaibo, majority of them, they feel this bit, this bit of inferiority complex. I mean, you meet an Akwaibo person, and since I love my language, I love to speak my language wherever I go, I'd want to speak the language with them, getting to know they're from 
they be built there from Akwa Ibom. But the next thing you will get is, oh, I didn't grow up from there. I my parents didn't teach me the language. I I don't like the language, and it it gets to me. I, I I was always angry whenever it happened. But at the point, I I got to know. I, I'm not trying to make an excuse, but I think we have a challenge in Africa, and one of the challenges we have in Africa is. A typical a Yoruba person can't communicate with an Igbo man without getting to involved the 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 the, the, the an, an English language, so to say. So I feel the major challenge we have now is you can't try. You are trying to 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 go to things themselves. I studied philosophy in the university, so I, I we get we, we we talk a bit of okay. You, if you want to study something, go to that thing themselves, and you can't go to a particular thing using the language of. The, a particular language that, so, to an extent, is against against your your belief, so to say. Okay, what I'm trying to say is, you want to go study your 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 roots. You want to go make make some studies about yourself as an African man. You are going to it with, I mean, using an English language. I think the major challenge we have is we don't have a unified language. I mean, a particular language that. Okay, I'm an African. By virtue of being an African, I know I I, I understand this language. So wherever you go in the world, whenever you meet you meet a black man, whenever you wherever you meet an African man, you know you speak that particular language to them and they understand. We, we still need to fall back to English language, and by virtue of that, we've now made this English language look like a very, I mean, a more a very important language that we can't do without, and th that is how it is. So I think we, we the major challenge we have now as African trying to 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 voice out to bring our voice to to own our own voices we want to we actually want to own our voice but we we are dwelling in inferiority complex why because we don't have a unified language we could use to 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 speak our mind we still have to fall back to the the regular lingua franca we we know as english language i think that is my major my major concern and what i feel and what i think right now all right thank you so much ability uh that name i should speak volume uh, if i pass you to olatuju just now he will do justice to your name anyway we, we leave it there so i want to thank you so much uh, uh for for your for your concern and for what you said uh you see that also remind me what i was saying before that when you are a child you expect that other people will do it for you you see sometimes many times not just sometimes in Africa, we have learned to shit on ourselves and we say, hey, please come and clean me. Don't you think I have shit on myself? Hey, listen, a child can say that you are an adult. When you are an adult, you choose to clean yourself. You don't wait for other people to do it. Like, my parents didn't teach me my language. Oh, come on. Are you still a baby? Have you not grown up yet? When you grow up, you choose to study your language. Uh, what if it is expensive? What if it is difficult? Who said you were only supposed to do the things that are not difficult? If the only thing that are difficult, if the only thing that you want to do are the simple thing, then what kind of a man are you? What am I saying? I'm trying to provoke us to understand that it's squarely on us. Anything that we want to do is squarely on us. If your parent didn't teach you your language, oh, fine. But are you alive today? So go ahead. Go ahead and study your language. 
if you didn't get good education and that is the problem, but now you are alive, you know that it's time to educate yourself. Start with what you have to do. So I think that is a challenge that we must take home in owning our voices. And I really want to thank all of you. In fact, of course, I had a lot to say, but I cannot go beyond that. I know that we have already overspent our time. I really appreciate the contribution of each and every one of you. I so much, so much appreciate it. But of course, I think before we go, just maybe one minute for each of us, I would like us to close with a statement. I will start with Nakasha. So my final thoughts are really centered around, I, I encourage you guys, you know, everyone that's on the call, you guys are on this call for a reason. And I'm assuming you guys have some form of interest in storytelling. So I encourage you, first of all, to check out our online courses to learn more from us and get that guidance and direction for you to get your story out there and start that journey. And the second thing is to be open to sharing your story. Um, it's a very intimate process to delve deep within yourself, but it's also the best work that you will be able to do and it will be a gift to the world. So um, get into storytelling. I encourage you all and thanks for coming and listening to us today. All right. Thank you so much for that, Nakasha. I appreciate you. I really do. All right, Dr. Matia, what is your final thought here? Uh, we are about to, to leave. I want to say thank you so much for me, all of you, yeah. and for, I feel very humbled and honored to be a part of this course and also this discussion and this enabling. I want to end by saying your story will never break you. Your story will always make you. And you, if you keep that in mind, you will tell your story and you will tell your story convincingly because you will believe that your story is your story and that your story has meaning, has worth, has credence, has relevance. And you will know that your story has the power to change anything you want it to change. If you go out that confident and that courageous, then you cannot be false to anyone. And most of all, you will always be authentic and true to yourself. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Matia. Be true to yourself. Have the confidence and tell your story. Who else is going to tell your story if not you? So that is a strong message. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right, uh, Olatuji, uh, you are the last speaker today. So what will be your final thoughts to conclude? Thank you so much. Please go ahead. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, I clap for you. Thank you so much for coming in here. Um, <clears throat> only uh, the strong-hearted, you know, decide to go in the pride of the lion. So for you to be here, uh, you you are you are powerful. It's not easy to be here, uh, to be able to withstand all of this. Uh, I think why we have not, you know, had so much progress on this subject matter is because many people avoid this kind of discussion. And you are here, it means that you are a rare breed, you are a different kind. And um, yeah, it's going to be very important that um, you are able to take advantage you know, of, of the tools that we have here, uh, the, the online course is going to give you a lot of leverage. You should not shadow box. You should not, um, you know, go into to the battle like somebody who have got no direction or training or capacity to, to bring victory. And then um, the truth is, um, <clears throat> uh, is not going to be complete without your story. It's never going to be complete without your story. And uh, don't be afraid, all right, to tell your story. Um, all that is available 
is enough for you to tell your story. You don't need any other thing for you to tell your story. All that is available, all that you are, who you are, is sufficient for you to tell your story. And when you are telling your story, remember that you are the owner of the food. Don't hide to eat it. Eat it with prestige. No matter how small the dish is today, when you eat this one well, you'll be alive to be able to have bigger dishes. But when you hide to eat it, we may even come for you thinking that you stole it and you may be beating out, you know, uh, life may be beating out of you that you are unable to eat bigger dishes. So please feel free to enjoy your story and share with the world. You see, your story is so unique. Nobody can tell it for you. Please tell it by yourself. Tell it like the owner of it. And um, the world is really, really waiting to hear from you. Thank you so much. Uh, allow me to clear my throat. I think I, I got something uh, to clear there. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Please go ahead and clear your throat. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I, I, I just did my. <laughs> thank you so much. And I thank all of you for your, for your presence and your contribution here. All right. We are here again at 40 days from now where we'll be talking about the importance of names in building African African diaspora identity. So we look forward to see all of you there. And if any of you, please, uh, are interested in the conversation that we have talked about today, why don't get this course? Own your voice as an African diaspora uh, person because you are going to find a lot of value in it. So we are looking forward for you getting this course. And of course, going through it and sharing with us your experiences. Again, it's available at aclasses.org or you can send me a message or send Olatuji or Nakasha or Dr. Amatia uh, a DM or how to get a copy of it, then we'll get it over to you. So thank you again, all of you, and see you in 40 days from now. Mm -hmm.